is the exact same challenge and opportunity to transform a person into who they are, not who I want you to be, not to almost who I want you to be, as long as you do these 10 things my way. I'm okay with you doing 10 things your way. No, it's not a negotiation. For better or worse, I want to free you up to be you, and I would say it's always better. Throw out homework, worksheets, ominous buildings, hall passes, herds of students, grades, all of it. What would you build? If you start with the amazing thing that is a young person, how would you honor all of their strengths and abilities? How would you remember that this is about them? If Dewey was right, and education is not preparation for life, education is life itself, we need to do more than rebuild schooling. We need to rethink living. Welcome to the Education is Life podcast, where we're having honest discussions on the state of education, where it is, where it can be, and all of the stories in between. Hello and welcome again to Education is Life. Uh, This is Rob, and I am very excited to have Guy Bell with us here today. Uh, Guy is author of Unlearning Leadership, a fantastic book that uh, really gets out his beliefs in how to maximize human potential in the workplace. And I think it's very much in line with what we are trying to do with the Education is Life podcast and with Greenfields in terms of finding ways to maximize human potential, just starting a little bit younger than where a guy's focusing right now. But a guy and I have worked together in the past, a huge fan of his, a great person, and excited to welcome him to the show today. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and kind of officially put on record our many conversations around this topic of uh, education is life. And in my world today, I've been using a tagline that says the future of work is the future of education. And I see the two really singing well together in terms of where we're heading. And for me, that's extremely exciting. I remember some of our early conversations back when we were working in the higher ed space and uh, just trying to get people to listen to what at the time seemed like a total antithesis to the way management was being done and how to not only work within the organization, but also to uh, get the most out of people who were really trying to better themselves through uh, higher education and were often uh, first-generation college students and uh, finding what we could do to, uh, to really help them along the way and the tools they needed to, to really take full advantage of their decision to better themselves. And uh, the, the places we've been since there, I mean, that was probably, what, 15 years ago at this point. Yeah. Amazing. True. Yeah, we've we've really come a long way in terms of, you know, the same ideas. But I think through your first podcast, which I listened to and loved, uh, we come back to those moments where we both kind of have that aha when you and your family went on that trip and came back and forever were changed. And I can't imagine how many times you could tell the same story now since then of things that have uh, really changed your thinking which I love about both of us. We both come to this saying, you know, I know this today, but tomorrow I may have to kind of rethink what I think I know <laughs> and re-examine those things that uh, a lot of our uh, friends in higher education in particular, back to our shared experience, um, get stuck. You know, we all do, but they, there tends to be this kind of system-wide stickiness to uh, certain beliefs that are schools of thought versus this freedom to think, this idea of saying, Really, life is our teacher, so how do we not stay in this state of I know? Let yourself be in that knowingness in a moment, but then release it for the next moment to kind of listen and free yourself up to wonder what is next. What do we don't know? What don't we know in that child's conversation with another child or with uh, the guide? 
or in business when you have a conversation with the CEO and your regional manager, whatever these relationships are, that you don't use a power structure in, in terms of our knowing, but you use the absence of kind of a, a school of thought in the presence of just wonder, is there a better way to do that? Or is the data kind of rich enough to really tell us a true story? Or is it just pointing to something that may or may not be true because it's limited? We so often get stuck in these places of what's going wrong, what's the data showing us, and how can we force people to do it right? Mm. Having read your book and, and other parts too, that whole concept of, you know, you know businesses are about to fail when it's all about what the rules are and what the policies are and how everyone needs to follow every, all of that to the T. When, you know, the way we talk about that or the way I talk about that anyway in the K-12 space is if we're, if we're spending all of our time focusing on the things that we can tell a computer how to do and, uh, and be able to automate, we're missing out on what value people actually bring to the equation and what can we do to really maximize the value of each of those people rather than uh, treating them as cogs, whether that's a cog in an education machine towards higher test scores to college admission, or uh, whether that's a cog in producing something, uh, a service or a product uh, in the business world. I relate to that. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about the idea of the fourth industrial revolution kind of emerging out of this 1912 assembly line mindset, right? So how do we kind of appreciate the amazing maturation of AI in the last 30 years, not in the last two weeks or two years, but 30 years, it's been coming into fruition and into our daily lives. While we then free up people, which we kind of lost the human potential back in the day when we looked at people as a part of that assembly line or actually kind of the assembly line itself and, uh, and shift now that we're ready to kind of say, gosh, people are unique and special and have an astounding skills that a artificial intelligence app or application of, of uh, data has different sets of circumstances where it can benefit us. And how do we use that properly in this time? And I think we're kind of beyond there, but we, you and I are there, there, <laughs> which uh, helps us then say in that model, and I use this as my language, I know it's different than yours, but it, I think it points to the same thing. And that's four rules of flight, weight, lift, thrust, and drag. There's not five and there's not three and everything has its requisite complexity. So let's allow you know, the technology and the evolution in this uh, moment in time help us free up human beings to do what they do best and get the right systems process in place and, uh, and you know, again, do the predictable things more effectively around data and information so that we can tap into that, you know, lifelong learning model and that wonder state of what can we know and contribute at a higher level. So we started having these conversations uh, before you were a parent. Uh, yes. <laughs> so curious, uh, how has being a father impacted your beliefs and your approach to the things that you do? Boy, what a great question. It's changed my life. You know, we, we kind of, my friends back before I had a child and I didn't have a child until my 40s, um, they would say, oh, you're never going to know what it's like until you get there. I'm thinking, whatever. I've heard that a hundred times. It can't be true. There's no way. It's true. <laughs> Life changes and uh, it changes for the better. It's challenging in, in new ways, as you know, obviously, you know very well. Um, so yeah, I, it changed me. It changed me through the lens of watching her now struggle with certain subjects in a traditional uh, school setting. And because of our relationship and our kind of 
curiosity and the way we approach learning and all the things that we have uh, in common, I'm now getting frustrated with her, through her and with her, not her personally, but her experience at the school and trying to learn how to calm myself and be helpful for both the principal and her teacher around rethinking how they approach her as another cog in the wheel, another thing to accomplish in the way that they accomplished with the last kid. And I, so I go in and we have that conversation and I'm just humbled by the barriers to doing the right thing. Good human beings almost to a person, probably to a person. Some are a little defensive around their belief systems, but good all the same. But we don't end up leaving with a solid, hmm, good idea, let's rethink that together or whatever that conversation would help uncover for Kaya's sake, my, my child. And I think that's what you taught me. So I've learned to kind of channel your voice, and your lessons of your teachings at Greenfield. Uh, and it works by and large, but the barrier in my parenting is kind of me. I, I don't have the um, in the box, I want you to know math at this level, that this time to get scored this way so that we can get the funding. Whatever that thinking is, I get it. I've run, you, know, you and I both have done this in the business world. It's very much the same kind of mechanistic, hit certain numbers and you are good. If you don't, you know, some version of bad or incomplete or unsuccessful. And you know, that just doesn't work, right? The kid shuts down and I watch my child do the very thing we know that employees do, but now she's my child. <laughs> and she's shutting down because she was an outstanding you know, reading comprehension and then weak in math as like a lot of kids are today. And one became the other, meaning she lost her confidence in, in all of her learning because of one aspect of something she didn't get and the thread. And I don't know how to go back to the thread, but that seems to be the key is something right it's some way of not you know, learning the math the way that she thinks so i say all that then hand it back to you uh because i asked you for your advice <laughs> a couple <laughs> weeks ago i'm like how can you help me help her help the system rethink this so why don't you tap into that because that you are a bit of the thought leader in this way not bid completely the thought leader and you're right uh, we are all constantly in the state of learning, but you are the thought leader. So tap into that for me. Well, you, you, you put me in a tough spot on that one. You know, I stayed out of K-12 education because I thought the system itself was too broken to fix from the inside out. Uh, to your point, it's not because of a lack of really smart, really well-meaning, hardworking people in the system. It's not for a lack of money being thrown at how to make it better. It's the actual structure of the system itself and the way it was designed 100 plus years ago by largely college academics based on a Prussian system that was a way to get farm, uh, farm kids up to speed to either work in a factory or to be an academic. It was very much of a sifting type thing. The reason that we have the disciplines that we do is because those were the disciplines of the college professors who are building the system. And so the idea of 50 minute hours, uh, the idea of subject matter based changes, the idea of the bell ringing and needing to go somewhere else, all those things are based from that time frame. And uh, we've done a lot to kind of rearrange those things and work around the edge and talk about like, well, what about character? What about these other things? But when the when that structure is as set as it is, it's really hard to do any fundamental change. 
I mean, you've done, you've done some work in the ed tech space. Mm-hmm. And I think there's amazing educational technology out there on the shelf that nobody buys uh, because it doesn't fit into that model. It doesn't fit into subject matter based 50 minute hours. Everybody learns the same thing at the same way at the same time. And so they can't introduce it into the system because the system just spits it out. So, you know, I ended up having to go and creating a different way of learning that honored more the individual and each of their strengths and their passions in a way to hopefully help them find their calling, which, you know, we defined as that overlap of uh, things that you're good at, things that bring you joy and things that other people value, um, regardless of what that is. And the more that we can get people thinking about that early in their lives, rather than how do I get my gold star? How do I get a a grade? How do you know, the, the amount of kids you talk to today who it's like, well, why do you want to go to that college? Or why do you want to do that? The answer is to make money. And, uh, you know, I've had the privilege of knowing some very uh, poor people who were ridiculously happy. And I've had the privilege of knowing some really wealthy people who are horribly sad. And, uh, you know, the research bears out, you know, at about $50,000 a year, uh, happiness and, and uh, income lack any correlation. And so if all we're doing is educating people in a way that's going to focus on this one input, that loses value after $50,000 a year, I think we're, we're really missing out. And so I know it's almost sacrilege in some circles to say, uh, hey, the best way to help your child through a traditional school structure is to get them to not worry about grades, to get them to find what they can bring to the table, to have real honest conversations with them about what their opinions are, uh, what they, how they feel about what's going on and develop their own inner compass. And I think part of parents, part of our ob- obligation is to help instill values in them uh, that are our values. And maybe they weren't our values when we were younger, but it's the experience that we bring. And the worldview is how can we get them to, to see that the world is a much bigger, more complex, mysterious, and magical place than what happens between the walls in the classroom and uh, getting kids to think about that and, and honoring them that like, yeah, you know, I'm not trying that hard and, you know, pick subject this time. It's not because I'm not good at it. It's because I'm really interested in this other thing. And when, you know, especially as you, you know, the amount of homework we've been given and everything else, there's no time to explore those things. And so what, what we're training kids to do is to believe that, I need to wake up, immediately get ready, go to work, work all day, come home, do more work, eat dinner, do more work, uh, rinse and repeat is what we are, the habits that we're building in them. So if you like what you're hearing or you don't and you want to come on and talk about it, go ahead and visit uh, greenfieldsacademy.com and uh, and let us know that you want to be on the podcast and you, you want your opinion to be heard. I'd love to hear from you messed up let me ask you a question i love that i love that just a ton of wisdom and kind of in the relationship to our conversations around kaya and the wisdom you're sharing with me to cope <laughs> as a dad uh with how to you know be present and helpful and supportive um and to some extent you know put it in context so thank you for that 
My first book you mentioned uh, was a series of 10 years of writing down case studies of our work together when we were at uh, Kaplan and a variety of other circumstances where I was asked to take over a failing part of the business in that case and other cases similarly. And I would document what was missing and all of a sudden there was the thread and it was this thread basically, is we kept numbing people versus freeing them up to think, right? We, we, I want you to hit that number. Well, why? <laughs> what's, what's hitting a number do for anyone? Um, it's an abstract idea, feel, feeling very concrete for the people that are in that you know, box of thinking. Well, you're successful when you do this for me. Uh, and so the first book, I was sitting there, I had a year uh, uh, to kind of write it, and I sat there every morning for like four in the morning and I wrote for hours and I was picking up on 10 years worth of writing and I'd created hundreds of pages of, of what I perceived to be the right book around what I've learned around failure. Uh, and in some version of that, the opposite. And I was sitting there one morning and I remember looking at this and thinking, this is just crap. <laughs> this is really bad. And I thought, this is all out there in one version or another. It's directionally accurate, but it's dead. I'm not telling you anything that I believe is fundamental. And four hours later, I wrote a book and was done. And the book was called um, uh, Beyond Now. And it was pointing to the one question, who am I? And if we don't begin our conversations with our children, but for ourselves so that we can be present with our children, which you do in spades, my friend, is we start with the wrong question and the wrong exploration. You have to get kids grounded in their story. They are a reflection of their culture, their environment, their DNA, but they're also some version of half a reflection of who they came in as being of the unique nature of their individual by individual expression. And until we learn in your work and then in my work to keep asking that question, hey man, who are you? Why are you here? What, what, what makes you animate? What can I do to help you get there? In the business world, I ask that every, as best I can, everybody, every time. Let me help you get to where you wanna be. I don't care if it's here or someone else, but here's what I want to return. And we do kind of a little trade, right? I want, to, I want to free you up to do what you do best there, but I want to tap into your amazing gifts here. And here's how we'll play with that. Does that work for you? But when you do that with the kids, which I've watched you do, by the way, some of my favorite experiences in life is watching your team play, watching them, you know, run the school. You know, a couple of days, you know, when you gave me a chance to sit and just be an observer, it was a blast. It was a blast. But that is the exact same challenge and opportunity to transform a person into who they are, not who I want you to be, not to almost who I want you to be. As long as you do these 10 things my way, I'm okay with you doing 10 things your way. No, it's not a negotiation for better or worse. I want to free you up to be you. And I would say it's always better. The more I say accept this and accept that, I take away their potential for their own discovery their own trippings and learnings and, ooh, maybe not quite that. And they play and they play and they play. And the earlier we come to an aha of, man, I matter just as I am. And I'm a little bit uh, challenged by this, but man, do I love that. And whatever that tapestry of that story is, you and I have become 
really curious about becoming good at uncovering that story and then keeping ourselves disciplined to be curious. I can be certain for a minute because I need to. You do too. <laughs> I'm paying bills. I'm making you know, certain things happen. These kids do too in their own way, right? But we're all in this practice of coming back to that story of who am I? And then animating that to be free personally so I can free you up to have a real conversation around real, the edges of what you love. If I happen to see the same business or problem situation and I come to a different conclusion, how do I allow myself to that, for that different view to be equally true for the moment? Even if we know mathematically, if they're doing an equation, it doesn't turn out to be the right answer. It turns out to be the right exploration. And it doesn't mean everyone wins and everyone gets a trophy. It just means I wanna learn how you're thinking about it so I understand where you're going and how you're getting there. Not for a judgment, not for a reshaping to match what I want you to do, but for the kind of a journey of saying, wow, that's a cool way of coming to that. Whatever the play is, right? I'm putting it into your words. Why don't you pick up there and tell me what you would do in that situation? Because obviously I've watched you do that uh, with, I wouldn't say mastery, but you probably would push back on that with mastery. Well, you know, it's a, it's a practice, right? It's, a, it's something that you're, you're never going to, as soon as you claim mastery over something i think you underestimate that it changes and i think that plays into exactly what you're talking about i think one of the challenges of the way we historically have taught math is hey here's the find out what the answer is and do it my way and show me that you did it my way right and what you're yes. talking about is celebrating that path of discovery of how you figured it out and wow, isn't that interesting? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how did you get from here to here? Because this is how I did it. Um, but you did it this other way. Let's figure that out. I think is a much more empowering discussion that shows people that you are a great problem solver. We all are. As human beings, that's what we do. We solve problems. Um, and the more that we can honor that, I think the, the skills develop right we're building those neural pathways of i can figure this out i don't need to be told how to do it and then replicate it um because that's what that add add failure into that thought because you and i talk about the importance of of not getting it right i can you weave that into that thought yeah well i think the the trial and error is the historic way of learning right where it's a and we do a lot of that and we, we welcome failure, we embrace it. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel we go too far at the end of the day, every now and then we'll like do the all hands in like a sports team, you know, and do like a cheer. And uh, what one time it was like, we fail. And, and I was like, maybe we've gone too far, I don't know. But, I'll take it, it's a correction, right? <laughs> but there is that, and I, I've been thinking a lot about it, especially since our last conversation, that we have beaten failure out of the human condition largely through our schooling and the way in which we manage. And we wonder why there aren't more people like, you know, regardless of what you think, and especially some of his <laughs> tweets lately, but like uh, Elon Musk or oh God, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Steve Jobs or <laughs> Jeff Bezos or, um, and you know, those are just the big ones, but think of almost every entrepreneur who like goes out and says, I can do this my own way. I believe in myself to do this and I'm going to risk 
everything I got because what I have isn't important. Who I am is important and what I can do is important. What I have is not the I'm going to stop you there because you are that to me. So you've inspired me. And I told you that in that conversation, we, we, I think we're going to talk for half an hour and two hours later, we were still in the middle of this conversation, which I love and I I miss, Uh, I wish we could do it more often. Uh, But what I told you then, I think I told you at that moment when we were talking about these amazing people that were failing all the time, but you'd never really know it because they would break through and get to the success because they were so relentless, right? And it took some time before we even knew their names. <laughs> they were struggling and failing. And we know those famous stories around the light bulb, Edison and everything else, but you are it. I mean, back to, you came back and said, this has to change. This has to change. And now, how many years later has it been since you came to that conclusion? And the times I know you've iterated, you've changed your belief, you've adapted, not to someone else, but to just learning, just the constant learning that you're doing and applying the new learning and then breaking it or allowing it to break and then applying it again and to make an error and then say, okay, well, that didn't work very well. (laughs) And and I've enjoyed that. And... I've even, and I don't know if this is appropriate, we may have to cut this out, but I wanted to buy your business and find investors to help you and work with you channel this so that the whole world has access at the best possible and fairest price so that we can go and change this world that we know can be unleashed in a way that we just don't unleash potential. And to me, one last thought, because this is, I think pivotal is when we actually wonder what that is as a primary focus of what a business should accomplish. To me, we get back to the kind of innovation we had back in the day when there were the Fords and the Edisons that were kind of fundamentally changing. And now Tesla is fundamentally changing what a car is, right? But we have fewer and fewer innovators in America than we had in, in the past, we're, we're declining in terms of our successes of IPOs and our successes of getting things out of early stage investments because we don't like to fail. We invest in really big ideas like Amazon that made it, but there's a 10,000 pile <laughs> that doesn't make it. And it's in part because we're not willing to stay with it because we believe in something that's bigger back to who am I, why am I here? Elon Musk made it because he answered that question separate from the market, separate from those naysayers that believed you could never do this up till a year and a half ago when someone said he's gonna fail this month and he's gonna run out of money and he had his best month in history and now he's overvalued, right? So when I look at that through the lens of what you've done, which is to me way more important, you've stayed with it now for multiple years. You've gotten better every year. And here you are still saying, I am going to make this happen. And so I wanted to make that point in a very kind of different way because we the big names we all know, but you are equal, if not more inspiring to me. Uh, it, for sure to me, period. <laughs> but to maybe some of the listeners that don't know you very well, the amount of work and the things you've given up to accomplish this, you could have been a CEO of 100 companies. You could have participated in that high wealth, high risk, high numbers, because you did it well. You understand it better than most, maybe the majority, vast majority. So that would have been easy, but you chose hard. You chose hard because it was in your heart. You chose hard because your kids' uh, lives mattered more than your wealth, more than your easy answer with your MBA and your brilliant mind and your innovative, 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 innovative nature that the world needs. It needed you to do that and channel that here. 
I, I appreciate that. And at the risk of uh, false news, I do not have an MBA. So, you know, I don't want, don't want it to be out there that like I've, I'm over-credentialing myself. I just gave it to you then. <laughs> <laughs> the, the honorary uh, Guy Pierce Bell well, MBA. I look at your financial chops, so I, <laughs> you must have an undergrad in finance or some version of that, but no. no way, I, that was one of my revelations around the school too, is that, uh, you know, I don't talk about this much and certainly don't talk about it in podcasts, but uh, I was a very successful business person. Um, and, uh, you know, I did, I did a pretty good job at it, ran mm -hmm. a $200 million P&L, uh, thousands of employees, change a lot of really difficult change management. As you said, some of the things that we took on very complicated to fix uh, and able to do it. And at the end of the day, while the bank account was full, the, the heart was empty. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and it's not for lack that we weren't helping lots of people than we were. Yes. Um, and that's the thing that kind of kept it going. But at the end of the day, the measure was, you know, it's one of the questions that, you know, I, I started off a little bit. It was like, what's, what's our obligation to our family and to our, into ourselves and like not just the the who am I question, but when you do have a when you do have kids, the who am I changes, mm -hmm. and I think uh, that's something to begin to realize and seeing what my kids were capable of and coming back. You know, we spent six months in Central America, not living a high life. Uh, you know, we were uh, we were doing it on the cheap and uh, seeing more close up who they were, what they were interested in, and what they were capable of. And like trying to do school at home, like we took the traditional model and tried to homeschool in there. And the fights that we would have every morning were just like ridiculous where it's like, well, then, then the bribing kicks in, right? Well, if you get all of your schoolwork done, then we'll go to the pool. Um, and then to see what they were, what they were capable of when they were interested in what they were learning. You know, my, my seven-year-old, she was, was she even seven? No, she was like six. Uh, she was memorizing a field guide for birds like which is some pretty dense stuff and it was just uh, amazing to see the types of things that she could do and she was interested in and uh, in making that space for it to happen i think finding something that means a lot to you and chasing it uh, are big things and uh, that that's certainly what i've tried to do i've tried to put my money where my mouth is and and uh, done some uh, sacrifices to be able to keep things moving. But I think, you know, today is a, it's Guide Appreciation Week this week. Well, Teacher Appreciation Week, so we call yes. it Guide Appreciation. Okay. And, uh, you know, we're in the midst of this pandemic, so we're doing school from home. And I got a video sent to me today, a 10-minute video of all of the kids saying how, you know, just sharing stories about me. And, uh, you know, the big thing was, thank you so much for creating the school. Um, it's changed my life. And this, is, this is coming from kids who are, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, um, who we as adults don't often consider what their lives are like, you know, and I think that's the, you know, our obligation to kids, to our own kids, isn't to make them good students. Mm. And I feel like that's the spot we've been put into as parents is that, well, you're, you're failing as a parent because your kid's not getting straight A's or you're failing as a parent because your kid can't sit in a desk for seven hours a day. Um, and you need to fix that. Uh, 
and you know, I really appreciate you going in and trying to have these uh, meaningful conversations with uh, the administration and the teachers and bringing some of your soul to, to them and, and help them see it from a different way. But, well, uh, but when I think about that idea of, you know, a teacher versus a guide, the simple logic of saying you need to free people up. And if you're teaching, you're in a box by design, right? So you start at the beginning and rename, rethink. And I think one of the things that, uh, is it Sugata Mitra? Is that the, am I getting his pronunciation right? You are. Um, he was a brilliant researcher who pointed to something that you and I knew intuitively. And then his research, I think we both were attracted to that. And, you know, now after kind of you've been practicing that idea of saying the way I'm going to let you don't have a job tomorrow morning teacher is that if you teach the way that you have a job tomorrow is you guide, you open people up, you free them up to do what they can do best at their peak of their curiosity, whatever these expressions are of the fullness of that individual by individual and then the group. And he proved that out in a macro data set. And my understanding is very few people in the world, um, adopted you know that research and said well let me let me go prove this out in a different setting but you did you know and he didn't really want to get into the practice because he's a researcher he's doing his work to say i had a hunch and yeah it turns out the hunch was was not only right it kind of transformed potentially education but it didn't because someone had to go out and do it right day in and day out which is what we're doing so i thank you for that Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and tune in next time for a fresh new episode of Education is Life.